caution, you will begin to love your 9 to 5 with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Hey, I am really excited to start off our very first episode I have with uh, to share with you today an interview with my professional coach, Gadi Pollack. Gadi is part of the Vistage Leadership Group, where he has used his unique experiences in the military to get a really deep understanding of who he is as a person, how he has applied that in his daily life, and made some powerful changes in his own life. He's used those same skills to help others find their zone of power and make major sweeping changes in their personal and professional lives. So without further ado, I would like to share with you the interview that I've had with Gadi. Here we go. Okay, for episode number one, I have brought onto the show um, Gadi Pollack. Gadi Pollack has over 10 years of experience and over 5,000 hours of coaching CEOs, business owners, and executives, and helping them get in touch of, with who they really are. And we'll hear a little bit more from Gadi in a moment. But I just want to say before we get into this, that this episode, besides for being the very first episode on the Love Your 9 to 5 show, additionally, this episode is extremely important and meaningful to me as well because Gadi has been my coach over the last couple of years. And I've really been able to learn some very deep insights into myself and been able to implement a lot of the conversations and a lot of the discussions that we've had together and been able to make some real serious and concrete changes in my own professional life and that was a big impetus for the show that you're listening to right now so Gadi, if you don't mind first of all thank you for your time i really appreciate it i'm really excited to have you here on the show and um if you don't mind just starting off maybe just giving us a little bit more of a brief understanding of your background personally and professionally so the audience can understand who they're speaking to going to school uh, since 1982, I've lived in Houston, Texas. During that time, I have held executive positions, VP of sales. I've owned my own business. I've started um, an insurance practice that I built and ran from scratch. And uh, as you mentioned, Shmuel, for the past 10 years, I've been working with CEOs and executives on helping them become more effective leaders. Okay, excellent, Guy. Thank you for that. That really gives us a little bit of a picture, a background for us to understand who you are and I'll help our audience understand a little bit, you know, the value that what they will be receiving, where it's coming from. Um, can you tell me a little bit of how you got into this line of business? I know from your bio on LinkedIn and from the conversations that we've had that you've had a stint in the jewelry business and insurance, and it's been only the last 10 years um, that you've gone into this business of CEO coaching and leadership coaching. How did that shift in your career occur? Well, that's a very fascinating story. I was in the insurance business, and I had a mentor. I always believed in having teachers, um, and, and so I had a mentor in the insurance business. And one day, we were visiting a client, and uh, I told him what the client was going to do. And uh, when the client came back to the room, he did exactly what I said that he was going to do. It was that moment that I realized that I needed to stop trying to be like Mike, like my mentor. I was never going to see 18 clients a week like he did, that my personality and gifts were such that what I knew was I wanted less clients, but more impact on them. I, I had that understanding. And so what I did was I went through a lot of money in savings and insurance renewals. 
and I started following my feet, meaning what did I enjoy doing? And what I enjoyed doing, what I did for nothing, was I facilitated group meetings. And people would tell me that the conversations were in, in, enriching and enlivening and, and worthwhile and gripping conversations. And that um, after that, I, I decided that um, I enjoyed talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. And so I set up regular monthly appointments with individuals that I knew, business owners, and something magical happened in the one-to-one. -one. And somewhat like um, build it, and they will come, was right. I doing what I enjoy doing. Let me just cut in here real quickly, and let's just notice how Gotti was listening to what people told him that he's good at, and something that he really already enjoyed doing. And then he waited for the right moment when the right opportunity would present itself. Here we continue the interview. And then three people told me about this company called Vistage, that what they were looking for were people who had run businesses previously as I had, and the job requirement was to facilitate meetings and do one-to-ones, which I was already doing because I felt drawn to do that. No to Vistage two times. And uh, finally, I had the person sent me down and said, look, I was a member of a group where one of the members died. And the bonding and the closeness was such and the mutual support was such that the members helped his wife run the company till it could be sold. And I said, that's what I want. I want that feeling of people supporting each other and helping each other out through difficult times. Okay, excellent. So kind of this career was chasing you and chasing you and you were saying, no, this is not me. This is not really what I got to do. Until eventually you said, hey, you know what? This might be a calling. And you kind of got into where you are. Is that basically how it happened? Exactly right, Shmuel. <laughs> okay, excellent. Now, I, I know you have a fascinating story. I know it's on your website that you recently launched called leadbeyondtrauma.com. And I strongly encourage everybody to take a look over there at the interview that you've done there on a local radio station, I believe. And yeah. it's, it's really fascinating where there you go into great detail as to how your past experiences really helped help you, have been helping you connect uh, with who you are on a very deep level, dealing with some early trauma, and really uh, helping you shape you know where you are today. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So one of the things I discovered as I proceeded to um, build my coaching practice, working with CEOs and leadership was a big theme in my life. Through my own coach, I discovered that the reason I, I was drawn to leadership was because um, I had I was named for my grandfather who I never knew, who passed away before I was born, and I was the eldest grandson in extended family. And as, as a young, empathetic, sensitive little fella, I felt the void in the family. I felt that there was everybody talked about Zeta, about Pa, about Grandpa, and he was not there, and I was never ever going to see him. And I was named for him, and I had to be him. But I had the sense that nobody knew how to be in. And so what I discovered was that I approached life through the lens of, are you the leader? Who's the leader? What does leadership look like? A constant questioning and over a lifetime picking up characteristics of great leaders. And I had the great merit to really find that person on the battlefield in Israel who led us through battle. And I, I saw the quality of leadership that had... Um, the soft inner voice inside that just was the inner calm that drew people to him, to leadership, 
even though he was taking us into battle, that there was that quality that was, um, and he accepted me for who I was. And so he became that role model. And I realized that as I was building my practice, it wasn't about the techniques of coaching or about the mechanics of how a Vistage group works okay. or the schedule of the day. It was really about having that image of a leader and sharing it for those who didn't have it and were challenged in building their businesses mm -hmm. and had outgrown the people around them. They felt that they had the capacity to grow their business, but at the same time, the growth demanded more of them and they didn't know what that looked like. And okay. I did. Okay. So apart from actually finding uh, that leadership personality that you have been able to emulate, um, in the battlefield, as you've described, have the, any of the experiences on the actual battlefield help you find your own strengths? And have you been able to apply that to what you do now? Absolutely. And, and this is people's first instinct is that battlefield and boardroom, there, there's no connection. And what I found is that some of the more difficult challenges that leaders face in growing their companies, whether it's measuring and evaluating their people, whether it's holding people accountable, whether it's bringing people of a higher caliber into their company and what their demands are and how to lead and manage them. A lot has to do with basic emotions, such as being able to understand your own fears, your own desires. Why is it that executives and leaders and CEOs find it so difficult to hold people accountable? Many of these issues are based on, on fears. And when we can help people manage their fears, we can help them become the leaders that they are. Okay. Now, how would you, you know, uh, many of us, not everyone is a war veteran. I know in Israel that's a little bit more common, but here in the United States and anywhere else that uh, our audience may be listening to the show, how would you say that we can apply some of the principles that you've discovered yourself through your military experience for those who perhaps don't have that same background and how would you say that we can draw on our experiences to be able to find, you know, some strengths and leadership abilities and, you know, apply that to our own professional setting? A, a big theme of, um, of of battle is going to the unknown and living in the unknown because you don't know what the next five minutes will bring. Um, growing companies started by entrepreneurs who never run a company of maybe 100, 200, 300, 400 employees are in the unknown. And they have to manage the growing company. They have to manage their own internal state. And they have to manage and lead the people in ever-increasing number of people. So being able to connect with oneself in those environments, in the unknown, um, that would be one example. Okay, excellent. I really appreciate that. I think that's something that we can really apply regardless if it's someone starting their own business or if it's someone who's already an employee for another company. But just knowing that, hey, I wasn't trained for this job it is not a barrier to entry. And even if, you know, even if the employee does not yet have the skills, these are things that we can be comfortable being in the, in the unknown. That's a really valuable point. If you don't mind, uh, would, if you can reflect back to earlier either in this part of your career or another part of your career to something that perhaps you tried and failed at, maybe even miserably, as, and maybe a lesson that you have learned from there and something that we can all learn from as well. 
as I reflect on that question, I, I would think, um, you know, I started, I, I was in business for many years. I had um, a wholesale jewelry distribution company that I owned. And then I started an insurance practice. And my goal then was to make money and be successful and right. live, you know, and have the financial means to live a life where I wouldn't have anxiety or fear about money. Okay. And one of the things I discovered, and I took it as a given that, that I wanted to work hard and that when I worked hard, I would achieve financial success. And the harder I worked, and I started to notice the difference between myself and others was that I was working for money, but money didn't really motivate me. What really motivated me was establishing solid relationships with other people. Interesting. And out of that recognition that even though logically I wanted the financial means, it really didn't move me. It didn't make me happy or unhappy if I had or didn't have money. And, and so that lesson that I learned, which I think was the beginnings of teaching me to understand myself, for me to be successful, then I needed to understand what really motivated me. Okay, interesting. Now, I can't say that everyone will be able to relate to that in the same way, because for many of us, money is the motivating factor. But it is true that it, the importance of being open to other motivators and other things that can be there as well, that even though obviously we have bills to pay, I mean, I'm a nursing home administrator, and I have to talk to my staff all the time. And whenever I ask somebody, you know, why do you have this job? Why did you choose this? Why did you choose this career? And they say, oh, I love helping people. And I love healthcare. And like, what about money? No, I don't care about money. No, I know that person is not being truthful with me. And I said, hey, let, let, let's call a spade a spade. Everybody's here because we need a paycheck. We all have financial responsibilities. But you could have worked down the block in a donut shop. You could have you could have done worked with computers. You could have done a lot of different things. Why do you choose your career in healthcare? Why do you choose to get your paycheck in this way? That's you know has to do with your passion. So it seems like earlier on in your career, you had the opportunity and the ability to be able to kind of distinguish, um, you know, the difference between uh, your financial responsibilities and what you're actually starting to enjoy doing and helping guide people. That's something that must have been really rewarding. Um, what would you say? At this point in your career, what is something that really motivates you, that gets you out of bed in the morning, the thing that you're all fired up, you know, the, the thing that gets you excited? How would you describe that to us? I Personally, the thing that is really, I've, uh, you know, here, here in Texas and as part of my practice, I, I have a number of uh, veterans okay. uh, that I work with who have, they're combat veterans. And some of them are West Point grads. Some of them are Special Forces, Green Beret. What's um, the difference, combat veterans and others? You just educate us. So that is a very good question. Um, what I discovered in my research on PTSD was that when the body is in a state of imminent threat, certain things happen to it in terms of the, the blood flow, the muscle tension, the heart rate, the respiration okay. that are... Um, that happen in a microsecond that are physiological automatic reactions. When a person is subject to repeated situations like that, something internally shifts. And when people have PTSD, they're caught in that loop okay. of constant danger and threat. 
So those are the combat soldiers, the ones who are actually right there on the front lines and experiencing those effects on their body physically. Exactly. Okay. So what I discovered, the, re the reason I think I'm drawn to those people is the two great themes of my life has been the search for the leaders I discussed. Mm -hmm. and, and the other theme of my life was that having carried PTSD within me for 43 years, that the trauma shaped my life and that helping leaders move through trauma, right, which combines the two elements of my life that preoccupied myself the most and which you might say were a higher calling from heaven, perhaps, that I, I was sent here to do. Okay. Um, so in those people, I find the two drives that have animated my life the most. Okay. And what are you doing with them specifically? Um, what I, I've actually started um, a lunch group for combat veterans. I call it Lead Beyond Combat. And um, we meet. They're all business executives or owners. And uh, it's something that I do here in Texas on a volunteer basis, just because I enjoy it, because that, that is where, that's my little lab where I can get in touch with myself at a deeper level where I'm totally uncensored. One of the things combat veterans So learn, this is the censored version of Gotti Pollock? It is. Okay. And, and what I've discovered is that um, combat veterans learn that their experiences are so unbelievable to most people that the reactions they get when pe people ask them what happened, how was it, and but they don't really want to know. And when you tell them, they either freak out, and so veterans learn to minimize it, make light of it, avoid it, not talk about it. And um, in that group, I'm just raw. Wow. And there's a, certain, there's a very deep satisfaction in being able to connect with our deeper experiences and talk from that place. Well, we're not worried. We're not trying to shape anybody's impression of us. It just comes from a raw, deeper place. Well, so you've really had the opportunity to find, you know, what the true values that you have and the value that you can bring to others. And through that, you're really bring you finding the target audience for yourself, people who have shared similar experiences, and you can really, you know, being being uncensored. Really, in another w another way of saying that is really just being the real you and not having to worry about what anyone else is going to say and being able to bring value that way sounds like that that's something that's really meaningful. Now, if someone is working in a job and they're working nine to five and they're having those thirsty Thursdays and TGIF and oh my gosh, it's Monday again and dragging their feet in, those people definitely have not had the opportunity yet to connect to their deeper self and they haven't had haven't yet had the opportunity to see what their strengths on strengths may be based on some of their experiences what would you say might be an activity an exercise or even just the beginning for someone who's trying to get to the state that you're in and to really be you know excited and fired up when they go to work or sp do whatever they do when they spend most of their time what do you think that somebody can do just to begin that journey and to to really get to the state of mind where you are, especially at those lunch meetings? Sure. And that's, that's such a great question, how, how to begin, how to get there. I, I would think the first thing is uh, answer the call. When a person has a feeling inside. Don't say no to the visage share opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> right? That, that, that they're meant to do something greater. 
or that they they see people or situations or businesses that they're somehow drawn to, even if it weren't money. Like I was drawn to being a Vistage chair without knowing about Vistage, right? I enjoyed facilitating meetings and, and I enjoy talking one-on-one to people. I didn't know what that was. It wasn't on my resume. But I, I heard the call at that moment that I've learned everything I can from this mentor. I'm meant to go to the next step. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to start watching what I do when nobody's paying me. That's where the combat part of you comes in because you weren't scared to embrace that. Uh, yeah, I would say it's courage. It's, it's courage to know um, that we can get through it. I'm stepping in, like that was an example of stepping into the unknown. I'm stepping into the unknown. I have no idea what I'm going to find on the other side. It's going to be a train coming at me. Is it going to be revelation? What is it going to be? I don't know. But I'm drawn, I'm drawn to something beyond what I'm doing in the here and now. It doesn't fully satisfy me. Nice. So, you know, I, I speak to employees all the time, and some of them are all fired up and gung-ho and excited. You know, this is, I would never want to be anywhere else. And unfortunately, many of them are not exactly you know living in that elated state and of course this is something that can take time to get there and really reach that level but uh, i love what you're saying is that you got to follow that passion i know that's a cliche and thank you for not using those words but answer the call and you know listen to those messages when you're drawn towards something don't say oh no i'm at work no i can't do it you know we can look at what are we constantly sneaking under the desk at school and at work and you know, what is the thing that we're running to on the weekends? What are, what are the things that we're really drawn to? And the second point are, is uh, equally important. If we don't have the courage to embrace it, it may not be something that's popular. It may not be something that our support group is really excited about. And perhaps your social circle thought that a Vistage chair may not have been the highest level of achievement. I think it is, but <laughs> maybe others didn't believe that way. And... But you need to have the courage to just go after it regardless of what it is. My family thinks I'm crazy for starting a podcast, but you know what? I really think I can bring value by sharing the value that you have and the other future guests on this show. I really, really believe that you know we can help enrich the lives uh, of the audience through figuring out ways of exactly what you said, is you know being courageous into listening to those messages. So really thank you for sharing that nugget with us. Um, Anything else that, you know, just a, a takeaway point um, that you would like to share, perhaps for someone who's still searching for for ways to get more in touch with themselves and, you know, maybe an exercise or something that they can do or a resource that has been useful for you that you think that it might be worth sharing with others? Go yes. Um, and, and before we get that, it struck me, Shmuel, as, sure. uh, as we're talking, that, that one of my themes is... Um, helping people in the unknown. And that's exactly what we're doing, because this is the first podcast. Podcast two, three, four, and all, all the thousands after that are unknown at this point. And we're right? jumping right in. And you're jumping right in, right? So you see how, how the universe, how God's hand works. So um, to answer your question, the most powerful thing we can do is allow ourselves to be with ourselves, meaning where we can hear that inner voice, make space. Our life is so full of clutter of responsibilities, requirements, internet, job, noise, radio, TV, family, employees, right? That 
it's very easy for the inner voice of who we really are to get drowned out in meeting those obligations. So a practice of a person doing things, starting to learn what it is that brings you joy when you're by yourself. Is it a walk on the beach? Is it prayer? Is it music? Is it just sitting on the patio? Something that will allow you to be with yourself in an enjoyable manner. Excellent. Many people do meditation as well. Whatever it is, whatever calls you, whatever helps calm you and soothe you. But it has to be done deliberate and intentionally. Now, it can't just be that, let me wait for it to occur. But from what I'm hearing is that through whatever meditation or walk in the park or quiet time, the drive home from work or whatever it is, you know, yes. res resist the urge to sit down and turn the radio on right when you get in. I forget where I've heard that that is, you know, sometimes it's very uncomfortable for us to be, you know, the last person that a person wants to meet in a dark alley is ourselves. This is what I once heard. And there's a lot of truth to that, that as much as we don't want to meet, you know, a thug who's there to bop us over the head, it's also uncomfortable when nobody's around and we kind of have to focus on who we are deeply. But at the same time, if we do that and we embrace it and we have the courage to venture into that unknown area, we can really start discovering who we are on a very deep level and really make some serious breakthroughs and we can really start providing value to, our, to the greater society through that. So that's really powerful. All right. Well, thank you, Gotti, for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll definitely leave um, links in the show notes uh, to your website. But just if the audience wants to get in touch with you or if they just want to follow you, what is the best way for them to reach you? Or is there, is there any particular address you would, you, know, you would want them to go to? Um, you can go to the website, Lead Beyond Trauma, L-E-A-D-B-E-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-U-M-A, Dot com and you can connect with me there. Okay, excellent. So again, that's leadbeyondtrauma.com and I've gone through that website and there's some valuable information there and you can get a little bit more information about Gotti and you can see the full-length um, interview that was done there. It goes a little bit more into your story and um, I really enjoyed watching those videos today. And thank you so much, Gotti, for your time. Thank you so much for your help personally and professionally. And um, I look forward to working with you further. Thank you again. Thank you, Shmuel. I just wanted to just quickly tell you the points that I thought that for me were the most meaningful. Migadi said something which I thought was really profound. He said, we have to allow ourselves to be with ourselves. We have to kind of be one with ourselves and know what our real strengths are. And when we find them, Embrace them, go after them, like there's no tomorrow. Second point he brought up is listen to those messages. People may always be telling us things. You know, you're really good at this. Why don't you try to do this more often? Why don't you know uh, you focus on this particular area? You're really good at that. Listen to those. And thirdly, find a mentor. Find somebody who has been down the path that you've already been. Find someone who's there who can kind of hold your hand as you venture out into, this brings me to my last point, embrace the unknown. It's okay not to know where this is going to go. Obviously, the, to have some sort of ideas, definitely helpful. But just because something is an area which may be new for you, or may be new for the people, your um, social circle, that's okay. Embrace it. It's exciting. And go for it and just make it happen. 
Thank you so much. If you feel that you've received value from this show so far, I would really appreciate if you'd head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. You know, that will definitely help iTunes show this to others who are looking for such similar content. And, and, you know, it's definitely worth your while to subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any episodes in the future. I'm always, always interested in hearing feedback. The best way to reach me is just shoot me an email and try to respond to every single email. You can email me at shmuel at loveyour9to5.com. That's S-H-M-U-E-L at loveyour, number nine, the word T-O, the number five, dot com. You could also do loveyour925.com. It all goes to the same place. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you'd like to see in the future. Let me know if there's anything here that you don't want to hear again. I really, you know, negative feedback is also very productive. And again, until next time, go out there, make it happen. Figure out what are the steps that you need to take to begin loving your 9 to 5. Thank you very much for listening.